welcome back to the Widcombe Baptist Church podcast. Uh, my name is Susanna and I'm one of the trainees here at the church and I'm joined with Paul today. Hello, Paul. Hello, welcome back, Susanna. Thank how you. was How was Cornwall? <laughs> it was great. Lots of sun and sea and tourists. So Lots of people, I guess. What more can you want? There you go. <laughs> um, well, I hope you all had a good summer and I'm looking forward to being back listening to our podcast again. And we thought it would be good to introduce what we're going to be looking at this new term. So can you talk to us a bit about that, Paul? Okay, yeah, in the mornings, um, Clara and I are going to be preaching through the book of Romans. Now, we won't be on to it straight away because the month of September is pretty busy with um, the, the holiday at home and, and the anniversary and a whole range of things. So I think we don't get down to it probably until the beginning of October. But we're going to spend a, something like a year on the book of Romans, which is just such a wonderful book, such a treasure that has, has blessed the church down through the ages. So I'm really excited about that and looking forward to that and hopefully have some podcasts to go hand in hand with that um, as we preach through it. On Sunday evenings, we're going to be looking together at the book of Amos, in fact, beginning this next Sunday with the first chapter. Uh, and again, I'm pretty excited about working through that. Mm. So why did you choose the book of Amos? Isn't that a bit of a rogue choice in a book that probably many of us know nothing about? Well, the fact that you don't know much about it is a good reason to do this it. This is very guess. true. That's a, that's a pretty good reason. But, but I think there are two main reasons. First of all, uh, we wanted to preach from one of the prophetic books, one of the, uh, the prophecies of the Old Testament. Um, sometimes those are books that are difficult to understand. Martin Luther said, I, I haven't got a clue what they're about, which, which you know, um, there's a few, few bit of water under the bridge since Luther's time. So I think we understand them maybe better than, than perhaps he did at the time. Um, but there are a lot of them. There are 17 books in the, in the section of the Bible known as the prophets. And of course, in some of the history books, you've got the, the, the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. The prophets were men who were sent by God to apply his word into the contemporary situation. Israel had the law. How does the law apply to us today? How does the word of God apply to us today? And so the prophets came and they took God's law and they applied it into this situation. They were preachers. So in that sense, um, we understand because that's what our job is, to, to hear God's word and to apply it to our contemporary situation. So we wanted to do a prophet and, and we were excited about doing Amos. Um, he's one of the earliest prophets to write. So we're looking forward to that. I think the second reason we wanted to look at Amos is because one of the main themes in the book is that of social justice, mm. um, the importance of justice within God's world. God is passionate about justice. Sometimes um, as Christians, particularly as evangelical Christians, we put a lot of emphasis on our personal relationship with God. We think about prayer and evangelism and fellowship and so on. And all those things are really important. But God is passionate about justice. And, and um, we live in a world where there's modern day slavery, where there's racism, where there's poverty, um, where, where the kind of things are going on in the world that are happening in Afghanistan at the moment. Um, does God care about those things? Does God even know about those things? Or is God just a kind of a privatised God? Well, well, what Amos will do, I think, is challenge us to get out of our safety zone, to begin to think about those kind of issues, mm. uh, because God thinks about those kind of issues. Um, and of course, the whole Bible does. It's there in Amos. It's there in a lot of the prophets. It's there in the teaching of Jesus. It's there in James, for example, where he says, you know, you're hypocrites if you if you think your religion will, will keep you safe, if you neglect the, the other matters like grace and mercy and, and kindness to those in need. So, so I think it's a very appropriate message mm. for our day and age. 
And, and that's one of the reasons that we're, we're going to be preaching through the book of Amos. Mm. I think it's really helpful as well for us to engage with our culture and think about the things that they're caring about. And, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So what do you think we need to know about the book of Amos to understand it better? Um, I think a few things. Um, one commentator says that if you do understand Amos, you need to understand that he was the wrong man with the wrong accent and the wrong message. Now, that sounds a bit bizarre, doesn't it? Let me explain what I mean. Wrong man, what I mean by that is that he wasn't a professional prophet. In those days, there were men who, who went to Bible college. They, they brought God's word. They were the professionals. They were the clergy. They were the pastors at the time. They were the men with theological degrees. Amos was not one of those. In the very first verse, it says this, the words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, the vision he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake, when Isaiah was king of Judah and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. In other words, he, he came from a little town called Tekoa. Tekoa is about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. It's on the edge of the desert. It's a wild and rugged place. At night, you can hear the lions roaring and the jackals screeching. Hot winds come off the desert. You've got to be pretty tough. To, to, to work there. And he says he was a shepherd. Later on, he says this, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. And also I took care of sycamore fig trees. So he's a kind of an agriculturalist. He, he looks after uh, trees. He's got branches in every city. Sorry about that one. Um, he, he looks after cattle. Um, he he, he um, looks after those kind of things. He's not been to Bible college. He's rustic. He, he, um, he has no business in speaking about theological things. Mm. And yet it says later on, this is Amos chapter 7 and verse 15, but the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people, Israel. One of the criticisms is, who do you think you are? No, you're not one of us. You're not a professional. Who gives you the right to challenge us? And he says, well, I didn't want to do it. I didn't. I didn't kind of uh, volunteer, God took me, God sent me, God gave me this word. When God speaks, you've got to obey. Mm. So, 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 so he's the wrong man as far as everyone's concerned around him. Second thing to say is that he's got the wrong accent. Um, Tekoa is from Judah or is in the, in the country of Judah, whereas Bethel, where he fulfills most of his ministry, is in the land of Israel. Um, we're talking something like um, um, 760 BC, middle of the 8th century BC, about 170 years before, in 931 BC, uh, the single nation that had been forged together by David and Solomon split apart into two bits. You've got the northern kingdom of Israel, you've got the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, in order to sustain themselves, the people of Israel in the north had built the city of Bethel and they built a temple there and they put idols there, uh, calf idols. Um, and they, they, they thought they were God's people. They were convinced that they were right. They were convinced that God was on their side. Um, and suddenly out of nowhere comes this rustic from another country and tells them God is angry with them and God is going to judge them. Um, he's got the wrong accent. It's like a Glaswegian turning up in Westminster Abbey in the middle of one of these great services of pomp and circumstance. They're all the clergy in their, in their robes. There's the, uh, the aristocracy. There's the, uh, 
um, the, the government. They're all sitting there, and suddenly this guy with a Glaswegian accent, or even worse, a Birmingham accent, comes and proclaims, God is angry with you, mm. judgment is coming. And, and they, they can again say, well, not only are you not trained, you're not one of us. You're a foreigner. Who gives you the right to bring that message? He's the wrong man. He's got the wrong accent. And then thirdly, you might say, he's got the wrong message because it's a message of judgment. It's a message that the country, which has rebelled against God and rejected God, is doomed to judgment. In fact, if you want a key verse for the whole book, it's chapter one and verse two. The Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. The message of uh, Amos is the roaring of a lion, a lion that is about to pounce on its prey. And you can't escape from this lion because it's from the pastures of the shepherds, in other words, the valleys, up to the top of the mountains, Carmel, from the lowest places to the highest places, the whole land, no one can escape from the judgment of God. And it would have seemed a bizarre message. Uh, in verse one, the very first verse, it tells us that he's ministering in the time of Jeroboam II, who was the king of Israel. He'd been on the throne for 41 years. It was a kind of an Indian summer. It was a time of peace. Uh, their enemies had been vanquished. The Egyptians have kind of gone off the scene. The Assyrians are going to be, be going to be the superpower down the road. They, they haven't appeared yet. Um, and and there's, there's peace, there's prosperity. So Amos talks about the fact they've got winter houses and summer houses. Um, they've got furniture made out of ivory. They're living in mansions. Um, and, and their religious ceremonies are, are just magnificent. And he says, but if you look beneath the surface, you've got oppression of the poor. You've got um, slavery. You've got the disintegration of morality. You know, it's all a surface. You think you're fine, but you're not. Your religion is, is, is an offence to God. It, it's, it's hypocritical. And, and God is going to brush it aside. And so the message is a message of judgment. Uh, and the people think this is, this is ridiculous. You know, see so these guys who in the old days used to walk up and down the high street with a sandwich board, prepare to meet your God. And actually, that verse comes from the book of, of Amos. He is saying, look, God's coming. And he's not coming as a, as a pussycat. He's coming as a lion. You need to be prepared. You need to be ready for the judgment of God. He, he's prophesying in 760 BC. In 722 BC, um, less than 40 years later, the Assyrians invade Israel and completely obliterate it. The, the, the temple in Bethel is destroyed. The people are taken away into exile and they never come back. Um, you know, later in the story, the people of Judah in the southern kingdom are taken to exile in Babylon and God brings them back amazingly. Israel never returned from Assyria. They're scattered to the nations. So, so this is the message of, of, of this man. And I think it, it, it's appropriate and it, and it kind of fits in with many of the things that, that we need to be thinking about in our time and in our day and in our culture. Mm. That verse, prayer to meet your God, is also on the roof of the building. It is. So that's yeah, a it is. continual it's reminder. It is, it is indeed, yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that this book will pose for us, do you know? Well, I think there's a challenge of understanding um, because we're talking about um, uh, a time very different from our own. But actually, the more I've read it, the more contemporary it feels. You know, peace and prosperity and everything okay. 
and 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 under the surface things not so good. So so I think it, I think that's that's the, the message is fairly straightforward. I guess it's the application and the relevance that we we want to find. The danger with a book like Amos is that there's an awful lot of judgment and you're mm. searching for grace. Uh, well, there's, there's grace shot through it. You, you, you learn, we'll learn a lot about God. We'll learn a lot about the heart of God. We'll learn about a lot about God's compassion, uh, God's concern for the poor, God's commitment to justice. We'll learn a lot about that. We'll learn a lot about ourselves, I think. Um, I think um, it will take us out of our safety zone. It'll make us maybe think about things that we don't normally think about. I hope it will will help us in our prayer life. But that's a challenge as well. Um, how do we pray a book like um, Amos? How do we apply a book like Amos? Um, there is hope, and, and you'll find that in the last chapter particularly. Um, there are there are promises of restoration, which actually in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 15, uh, James at the Great Council in Jerusalem, when they're reporting the conversion of the, the Gentiles, James picks up these verses from, from the end of Amos in chapter 9, and he says, God is doing that at the moment. God is bringing people from all over the world into a relationship with himself. He's restoring the fallen tent of his people. Mm-hmm. So, so there's hope there. And I think underneath it all, the challenge for Clover and myself is to, is to see where Christ is in all this. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Christ is and was a prophet. He brought God's word. He brought a, a message of judgment mm-hmm. um, as well as a message of grace. So, so I think so is challenges you know understanding application relevance mm. and I think that's the challenge to us to to see how a book that's not quite three thousand years old applies absolutely to to our culture today mm. i think it'll be helpful also in our evangelism too i think doing all these events with the community it's quite exciting to see how that will i i hope that. it will i hope it will feed into that yeah. certainly yeah. yeah yeah so how can we best prepare in order to get the most out of this series well read the book it take take you less than an hour, I guess, to read it. I, I've listened to it a couple of times on online, and that's a helpful way to do it. Different Bible versions to listen to it. Um, read it through, uh, understanding the structure of the book. Uh, it seems to me the book falls into four parts. Chapters one and two talk about God's uh, universal judgment. So it kind of begins with the nations that are surrounding Israel. And then it gets closer to home, the people of Judah, and then it comes right into their front room, the people of Israel. And um, you read those chapters and you'll see there's a structure there that, that actually is, is making the people aware of the fact that God is the God of the whole world and the whole world answers to God. Um, God does care for justice in the whole world and God is going to act. Um, but then it brings it right back to us. The New Testament says it's time for judgment to begin at the house of God. And you'll see that in the first two chapters. Then chapters three to six are the the, the kind of bulk of the the, the messages of the prophet. Uh, There's a lot in there about the character of God. You read there about the day of the Lord. And of course, the day of the Lord um, happened in his day. But there's an alternate day of the Lord when Christ returns. So so there's a lot in there uh, for us to learn uh, from. And then chapters seven to nine contain five visions quite amazing stories and and visions that the prophets saw. So I think we'll learn quite a lot from those. And then right at the end, as I said earlier, chapter nine, verses 11 to 15, you have the last word of hope, the last 
message is not judgment but hope um, so read the read the book read it in that way read the different parts of it uh, listen to this podcast a couple of times so you can get get it in your mind and come along with your questions that's the key thing um, hopefully most Sunday evenings there'll be an opportunity either inside or outside the service to ask questions mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure that Clara and I would, would love to be able to to, to to have a go at answering them mm-hmm. and I've heard that we're going to be doing things slightly differently in evenings but don't panic it's not going to be too much change um can you explain a bit about what that'll look well, like yeah yeah i mean we do want to to kind of take advantage of the fact that, that we've had a break and we're coming back and, and lockdown's over and we can meet together and, and all those kind of things so we want to do things a little bit differently. i mean we've done some different things on a sunday evening in the past mm-hmm. we've had cafe church and we have one of those as well maybe a couple of those as well um, we want to do round table communions in the evening a few times so that we have more time to to be meditative, to, to spend time around the table, to to worship the Lord. But also in the in the preaching, we we we're looking to maybe keep the sermon slightly shorter, and have times to meditate, have times to um, think through a message, and and just kind of work it around in our minds. Uh, time for questions. So this coming Sunday, um, we're going to be asking questions uh, or giving the opportunity for questions. Uh, on some occasions, we may. It may be very appropriate to turn the message into prayer. So we'll have just you know, 20 minutes prayer at the end, small groups. Um, we might also um, uh, attempt some discussion groups. You know, We don't want to embarrass anybody. We don't want anybody to feel pushed out and not, not welcome. And you know, this is this is beyond the norm. Um, so there'll be, you know, you, you'll not be forced to do anything they don't want to do. We just want to give the opportunity for maybe a little bit more participation, people to be able to respond to God's word, which I think is always a very helpful thing. Isn't it? So, so um, not radical, radical, but maybe a few changes on a Sunday evening. Mm. This is all really exciting. I'm definitely excited for Amos and for this coming term and all that it will bring. Um, I hope that this has been helpful for you all and whet your appetite for the coming weeks. Um, and as we said, if you do have any questions you would like to ask, please do come along on Sunday. Um, and that will be a great opportunity to do that. So another reason to come on down and make the most of being in church with the family um so thank you for listening everyone thank you very much for paul for introducing that series to us thank you and i look forward to seeing you all soon bye cheerio goodbye